welcome to the program, The Spirituality of the Catholic Church, as Father Paul Keenan teaches on God and man in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And now, Father Paul Keenan. Hello, I'm Father Paul Keenan. I'm Assistant Director of the Office of Communications of the Archdiocese of New York, and it's a great pleasure for me to be back with you once again to talk about the spirituality of the Catholic Church particularly as we see it in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. We have been talking these last few weeks about the sacraments and uh, how very important they are in the life of the Church. The sacraments celebrate the things that we said in the Creed that we believe. We believe in God the Father Almighty. We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. And the sacraments, the liturgy and the sacraments, are the way in which we offer worship and prayer to God and celebrate the things that we believe. We can think about that just if we look at the sacrament of the Eucharist when we we go to Mass on Sunday and assist at the Mass on Sundays. We uh, we have there the very things that we believe, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have uh, the love of God. We have the body and blood of Christ made present to us. We have our offerings from our life, and we have the entire community present and built up by what is celebrated there. And so what we're doing when we assist at Mass on Sundays and Holy Days of Obligation, or if we have a chance to go during the week, we find ourselves actually acting out the things that we believe when we express and say our beliefs. And we act them out in a prayerful way that gives praise and worship to God. Now, we've been saying that one of the things that the sacraments do for us is they take our ordinary lives and show us how there is a deeper dimension to our ordinary lives than we might otherwise suspect. The sacraments take and consecrate what is ordinary and show us that really we are not meant to be just ordinary and plain, but we are meant to live in a whole other world which we call supernatural, a world in which we are sons and daughters of God, a world in which we have a dignity well beyond what we ever might be led to expect, a world in which no matter what people tell us here and now, about ourselves and about how we rate or how we rank or how we get graded in their eyes, world that tells us instead that we are infinitely precious and that God is calling us to that. Before we move to some of the uh, non-sacramental ways in which we celebrate our faith, I want to just remind you a little bit more and and dwell a little bit more on the sacrament of matrimony because there is so much there and it is so much a part of our everyday life I think that it's important that we we not just rush through it but that we take time to really understand what it is the sacrament of matrimony gives to us it is as I said a true sacrament instituted by Christ to give grace And under the um, sacrament of matrimony, 
A husband and wife are not simply engaged, and the Catechism is very definite about this, they are not simply engaged in a human institution. You know, often enough people will say, well, marriage is just a human institution anyway, every culture has it, and it, it simply provides for us uh, a way and an opportunity to uh, to uh, express our love together and to continue the human race. But uh, marriage is not just a human institution. That's uh, the whole message of the sacrament of Christian marriage. Marriage is an institution that is divine, that is given to us by God. The call to marriage is not simply a call from one human being to another. It's a call from God on the part of two people who experience God's love for them in their love for each other. No matter how much our society may want to tell us that marriage is simply a human institution and you can throw it off if it, uh, if it becomes uh, inconvenient or too hard, the church tells us something different. The church tells us that marriages are to be worked at. Marriages are to be continued. Everything should be done to make sure that a marriage that is in difficulty can be saved, if at all possible. We live in such a throwaway society that we tend uh, we tend not to to think of uh, of saving marriages. Uh, people sort of uh, don't do that so much nowadays. But the church is constantly reminding us and calling us to find in the challenges that come every day to married life to find uh, God's opportunities for grace. And there are many, many wonderful programs out there now in the church for people that are having trouble with their marriages. There are programs that serve couples, help uh, couples that are in trouble who want to come together to celebrate uh, and to understand a little bit better what it is that's going on in their marriage and to try to find some way of resolving their difficulties through better communication, through better prayer together, through the grace of God. There are programs there that take marriages that are going very well and to try to see what can be done to make them better and to make them more sacred moments, better expressions of the human and divine love that is there in a marriage. And there are other programs which are indeed for troubled marriages, but for those kinds of of troubled marriages where one member of the marriage, one party in the marriage, seems to have given up completely on the marriage, but the other one has not. And there are programs now within the Catholic Church that say if even one, only one member of the marriage, only one member of the couple, believes that the marriage can be saved, it can be saved. And uh, in my archdiocese, the Archdiocese of New York, we have programs uh, just like this for for people where one member of the couple comes every week to to a, a meeting, to a group, and get some support. And it is a beautiful thing to see. There is one of those groups that's been in existence now for about a year, and there have been five reconciliations. Just a wonderful thing to see. And I am so delighted to hear that kind of news, because it shows us that uh, God can do the impossible. And all it takes is the, the faith of a mustard seed, the faith, little bit of faith on the part of one member when the other person's gone, they're gone, they're out of there, they, they don't want the marriage. And have in many instances moved out, gone into another relationship, or just simply not bothered with the original partner anymore. 
that person comes to a group of faithful uh, meeting of people every single week. And sometimes these people drive great distances. We have a big diocese, a big archdiocese. People have to drive great distances on uh, on, a, on an evening after work to come to these groups. And, and that one member of the couple comes faithfully week after week, and suddenly the miracle happens. All of a sudden, the other partner begins to get interested again to come back, and it's the power of prayer and the power of working together and helping each other. So you see, this is something that is possible. Marriage is really meant to be forever. That's the way God planned it. That's the way he wanted it and and continues to want it. And we can make that happen. Marriage is not just a human institution. We have the support of God, the call of God in our marriages. And you know, that's something that can be manifest every day. I really think that as much as communication is an essential part of marriage, One of the other things that's an essential part of marriage is every day praying together, every day making prayer and the things of God a part of their life. Maybe they can't get to Mass every single day, but they can certainly have holy pictures and statues. They can certainly take time to say the rosary together as a family. They can do some of those things, say grace before meals and after meals. They can get down on their knees every morning when they get up and consecrate themselves to the Lord and ask the Lord's help through the day. Because, again, it's like a foreign language. If you don't practice your French or your German or your Swahili or whatever it is you have learned as a foreign language, if you don't practice it every day, you lose it. And the grace of marriage, I think, is very much the same way. But let me put it positively. If you do... If you do practice it every day, what a tremendous force your marriage will be for your own personal energizing and transformation in the Lord and for that of everybody else. Coming here to uh, WEWN, I have the opportunity to meet some of the people behind the scenes and uh, some of them have been telling me about their marriages and how much they really value their spouse, their their partner as a a real uh, helpmate in the Lord, and uh, how much together as husband and wife, they are just so empowered by their faith in in raising their children and and in looking for other couples to to give them the love and support they need at the faith level. It's so nice to see that. It's so wonderful to hear that, and it's so true. Positively, positively, the things of the faith, the things of God are such a strength and such an encouragement to people. You would be amazed if your marriage is wearing down a little bit. You would just be amazed how powerful a thing it could be if the two of you could just kneel a little bit for a moment at the beginning, at the end of each day, and just say some prayers together and ask for for help. If you just put up a, a picture of the Sacred Heart or a picture of the uh, Immaculate Heart of Mary, or, or put on the Miraculous Medal, or, or in some way just let the presence, the physical presence of God be manifest in your home. My goodness, you would be amazed, I think, at how you would be drawn to that higher power that is there waiting for us. You know, I love these uh, support groups and help groups of different kinds that are there and that are around for us today and they all talk in one way about a higher power, but, you know, the problem is we, we talk about a higher power after we've lost touch with it. 
And uh, after we have lost contact with it and gone right down the, the chute into a, a bad way of life, why don't we get in touch with that higher power when it can do us some good, when it can still keep us fresh and keep us alive? Why wait until the marriage is totally floundered to get in touch with that higher power? Do it today. You are called by that higher power to love that spouse of yours, that husband, that wife of yours. You didn't just meet by accident. You didn't just come together because marriage is a human institution and, well, you just sort of, this is what you do, so you do it. You came together because God loved you and he gave you as a gift to each other. And he gives you as a gift to your children. And he's giving you as a gift to your neighbors and, and to your friends and to your relatives. So let that love, that wonderful love that, that could be yours and that you wanted to be yours on the day you got married, let that wonderful love shine through. Don't do it yourself alone. There's no need to. Check in with that higher power, that power of God who called you together and who himself is a trinity of persons, a community, a family of persons. Do it now. Do it today. Don't wait. It'll make your marriage really, truly wonderful. And all of that, all of that is what God intended in marriage. And it's what uh, the catechism means when it refers to the family as the domestic church. The church in miniature. When uh, about a year or so ago, when we had the year of the family at the United Nations, I was very privileged to hear Cardinal Bernadine of Chicago come to the United Nations nations and talk about the family as the domestic church, that the church in miniature is there in the family. That's where it is. That's where we grow in our understanding of the faith and our knowledge of the faith and our experience of the faith. And once we know, once we realize that we really can't get through life without help from God, without the power of God, and that we're not even meant to then we can begin to see the possibilities for communicating that to our children. And if we worry at all about the kids of today and how they're going to make it in a world that is so tempting to drugs and to alcohol and to violence and in which they are so easily lured into the wrong sorts of values and the wrong things, well, the only way they're going to get the right ones is if they live and breathe them in our homes. And we can't do anything better than to start today. Maybe we didn't do it yesterday, but if we can start today to communicate those values and not just say them, but to let them be a regular part of our lives through prayer, a regular part of our lives through our daily commitment to each other and uh, the fact that they see the visible signs of faith. We go to church every Sunday as a family. We have holy pictures and holy cards around and say the rosary and we consecrate our day to the Lord, as they begin to see those kinds of things, that's the sort of thing that will really make a difference. They'll catch on. Don't worry. They'll catch on, and God is there to help them. So you see that uh, there is tremendous power in marriage, not uh, not the kind of power that enables you to lord it over yourselves, uh, you husbands and wives, uh, or lord it over your children and discourage them and and everything. There's there's enough of that in family life these days. But no, it's the kind of power that can overcome all that evil. It's the power of God. It's the power to make your dreams come true. When you invested in those dreams, when you got married, you had dreams for yourselves and for your lives. Why let those dreams go? I mean, they're God's dream for you as well. 
So why not work that dream and make it happen with the help of God? We have then the seven sacraments, the sacraments of initiation, the sacraments of healing, and the sacraments at the service of community. But we have other things in the church that are very, very powerful ways of grace, which are not exactly sacraments in the technical definition of things, but which are very important for us, the things that we call the sacramentals. Now, the Catechism reminds us of something that often we forget in our daily lives as we get very busy. Every baptized person is called to be a blessing and to bless. Did you ever stop to think about that? You are called to be a blessing. I mean, about the only time most of us remember that, I think, is when somebody in our office or in our family sneezes, you know, and we say, God bless you. But we don't have to wait for that. You are called to be a blessing in your little corner of the world, in your little workstation, in your little office. Uh, if you happen to ride a train or take the subway or you drive in a very busy thoroughfare and there are lots of other drivers around you or you have a carpool, you are called to be a blessing. And it may not necessarily be by overt preaching. It may be just by the way you are by the comforting smile you can extend to people, by the listening ear that you can give them, by the way in which you are there to, to touch and to help people when they need encouragement, by the way in which you're there to, 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 to pray for people, to, uh, to extend your hand in blessing and, and in prayer when people are in need, to be there for your children in, in the home, to not put them down, but to let your children always know that they're cherished and treasured and that they have a wonderful future. Even when they struggle with school and, and, and also with temptation, that you are always there to be with them, that you're always there for them to come to with their troubles and problems. You are a blessing. You are meant to be a blessing and to bless. And, of course, lay people may preside at certain blessings, uh, which indeed are what we mean by sacramentals, these little blessings. Blessing, sometimes you have a priest in to bless the home, but sometimes you can do it yourself. You can take some holy water and, and bless a room in your house or bless a crucifix that you get or a holy picture in, in your home and uh, ask God to extend his blessing and his love upon that or a rosary that you give to your children a uh, priest is always happy to bless those things, but if you can't do that for some reason, you can do it as well. And uh, we have always blessed things. People still come to me to have their cars blessed so that their cars will be a place of going where the Lord wants them to go. There's uh, all sorts of wonderful blessings nowadays as we lay hands on people. I just recently participated in a healing mass, and after that healing mass, not only I, but a number of lay people and re religious uh, uh, sisters and brothers uh, who were there came and laid hands on other people and prayed that they would be healed. And they were. We had uh, We had healings there. And that's uh, that's not a sacrament. It's not exactly the sacrament of the sick, but it is a healing prayer. It's it's a blessing, and that's what we mean by sacramentals. Those places, those things, which are messengers of God's grace, they're blessings too. Our holy medals, our scapulars, 
our uh, medals of uh, divine mercy, our prayer books are sacramentals. Our holy water is a sacramental. We used to keep holy water in a in a bottle in our home. Do you do that? We had blessed candles for, well, especially for storms, and also when the priest came, uh, if somebody was sick, we used a blessed candle, a blessed candle. It's a sign of God's light and protection. That, too, is a sacramental. And the whole idea is that there is no area of life, no area of our world, which God cannot and will not and does not want to touch with the power of his love. My goodness, isn't that a beautiful thought to take with you? God is just constantly wrapping you around. I I always think of that image of Mary in in the manger, wrapping Jesus around with her swaddling clothes. And uh, I think that's very much what Mary, our mother, does for us, that she's constantly wrapping us around with the mantle of her son and his divine love so that when uh, we're in the manger and when it's dark and when it's cold in our lives, we can sense, we can know by these physical signs that something really wonderful is happening to us as we are wrapped around by these invisible but perceptible graces, graces which are the love of God. So that's why it's important that we have these sacramentals around, that we have these medals and rosaries and prayer cards and and holy pictures, and, and that we use them and make them a part of our life. Because we need to remember that God's love is not off somewhere else when we're in trouble that God's love is wrapping us around right here, right now, exactly where we are. How can we ever make it through life without those kinds of reminders? The Catechism also talks about Christian funerals. And uh, the funeral service, my dad, for the first part of his life, was in funeral service. And I learned from him that uh, this was not a business that was about making money, but it was about helping people in their time of grief and extending to people the love and the encouragement of the Lord at a time when uh, they are just feeling awful because they've lost someone they love. And uh, as a kid growing up, I always thought people were sad at the time of someone's death, but later as an adult, I learned that sometimes people are very angry and they even get angry with God at the time of the death of someone. So the funeral service, the Christian funeral service, is a time in which the church and the people of God and the funeral director and everybody involved together can really make it possible for people to bring the various range of feelings and emotions that they have to the feet of God at this time, Uh, because people's feelings and reactions at the time of loss are so very deep and so very different. We need to allow them all to come to continue to ask and to pray for the the healing love of God. The funeral service is a time, I think, when the church is really mother, and the catechism says that. Especially at the time of funeral service, the church acts as a mother, as somebody who just gathers the bereaved person to herself and holds them to her breast and lets them say what they want to say and feel what they want to feel and to know that there they have a home, just as she held to herself the dead body of her son. So Mary holds us at our moments of sadness, and our funeral services and the way in which we celebrate them 
in the funeral home and uh, in our homes and in our churches and at the cemetery, the entire span of the funeral service from beginning to end is meant to be a way, a sacramental, it's meant to be a way of extending that powerful love of God in a very concrete and felt way into the lives of of people who are down and sad and angry and upset. And in many instances, to people who are coming to the church after having been away for a very, very long time, I mean, a funeral is a time when people will come to the church uh, and attend a, a church service when they haven't been there and have been very alienated and angry with the church for a very long time. This is a time when they'll come. So we need to be conscious of extending to them at this time the possibility of wanting to come back, the possibility of wanting to stay, the possibility of coming home, to know that they're loved, to know that they're cared about, that we're sorry for whatever caused the break, but we hope that uh, they'll want to come back, that they'll feel at home when they come to our church, to our faith community. So we have these sacramentals, which in addition to the sacraments are wonderful signs that God is loving us throughout the course of our lives. Just as the sacraments are along the timeline of our lives, so the sacramentals are reminders that God is loving us at each and every moment of our lives, no matter whether we happen to feel close to him right now or whether we happen to feel that we are alienated from him right now. The sacramentals are signs that God is loving us all the time, that we are never very far away from him, and that he will continue to bless and keep us all the days of our life. So what we have here in this second part of the Catechism is the worship of the Church, the realization that the Church is always through the living worship that we have, which is a foretaste, a foretaste of the worship of heaven, when we're all going to be happy in worshiping God together, the worship services and all the sacramentals and everything else, our blessings, are a sign of how very much God loves us all the days of our lives. They're a sign, a living celebration of everything we said when we said, I believe. Thank you for joining us today for the Spirituality of the Catholic Church with Father Paul Keenan. You may write to Father Keenan in care of the Office of Communications, Diocese of New York, 1011 1st Avenue, New York, New York, 10022. Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. 